Amen. 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 So today we're going to talk about uh, how do you plead or what is your plea? What did I tell you, Shannon? What is your what is your plea? What is your plea? Uh, when you go to court and you're charged with something, and we'll all have probably have our day in court if we don't pay the ticket right away, you wind up in court and uh, <clears throat> you have to enter a plea at every court because you're being accused of something. You're not guilty yet. You're merely being accused. And so when you go to court, they will ask you what plea you enter. And so there are different pleas that you can enter. It's guilty, not guilty. Or, uh, but most people, uh, if they're smart, they get a lawyer to come and represent them so that they understand the nature of what's going on there. They understand <clears throat> what type of plea to enter based on uh, whether you're guilty, innocent, or it was my brother or Babra had my ID today and he's the one that got the ticket and all that kind of stuff. And so you have to have uh, proper representation because the law can be somewhat uh, difficult to, to maneuver through. And so because the Bible is a legal document, it is actually the law of God given to humanity. Amen. The Bible is the law of God given to humanity. Uh, his laws are still in effect. Uh, just because the old covenant has been replaced by a better covenant, I know people like to say it's been done away with, but it was actually replaced by a better one. The same holy God that wrote the, uh, I always say the Ten Commandments are the, the thou shalt nots. It's the finger of God pointing at humanity. Hmm? Remember Moses brought the tablets down and how did God write them? With his finger. And what he was saying, you better not. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So the finger of God is the lawgiver to humanity. Amen? tells you the 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 law said what you shouldn't do and what was not for you grace tells us that that law has been fulfilled and by faith in what jesus christ has done you can enter in now to an ability to work out the law or work out your salvation or work out obedience to god by his spirit and faith in what he has done so it's not anymore the thou shalt nots that are prominent but it's the ability now to fulfill that law has been fulfilled and now we have grace to fulfill everything that god wants us to do and forgiveness when we sin so we have an advocate or we have a lawyer in god in jesus christ who then represents us in the court of God. He represents us in the court of heaven. We have an adversary who is always accusing us in the court of God. Remember the first chapter of Job where it says that that the sons of God came uh, by the throne of God one day and Satan with them. God asked him where he'd been, walking to and fro uh, over the earth, trying to see who I could mess with. See, see who I can accuse, see who I can make guilty 
Because when you throw yourself on the mercy of God's court, you always get forgiven. You understand me? When you come to his court, there is always forgiveness for you. And your advocate, Jesus, always lets you know that that's provided for you. Amen? So we can overcome all adversity of the enemy because that blood has been shed for us and that blood has power in the court of God. And so whenever we are are accused of anything uh, by the enemy, I don't care if it's uh, cussing when you walked across the floor and didn't see that cord, electric cord sitting out there, you know how we do, or whether it's getting angry with somebody because of a misunderstanding, you can always go to God and enter a plea of the blood. Amen? You plead the blood. That's your plea all the time. Amen? Everybody write that down because, see, what happens is when we when we have difficulty in our lives, we have a tendency to want to prove our innocence based on either our lack of what we didn't do wrong or our good works that we do and that should account for something and cover me when I do something bad. Didn't you remember, God, all the wonderful things that I did? And I did this one bad thing. Now you want to cancel all that out. Well, see, we have a better plea now. We have a plea of the blood. And so you lawyer up and shut your mouth and let the blood testify for you. Amen? So we don't have to defend ourselves against the accusations of the devil in any realm. And that includes in our physical body, too. We don't have to defend ourselves when we need healing from God. And we don't have to defend ourselves where our bodies is concerned. We make the same plea uh, whenever we're accused of anything. We plead the blood. You don't make a different plea based on something different happening in your life. You go to the same lawyer. Your defense is always the same, and your answer is always the same. You enter a plea of the blood of Jesus. In Revelations 12:11, it tells us that we are overcomers. Those that were mentioned in heaven were those who had overcome. And how did they overcome? It says they overcame him, that is the adversary, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto the death. Loving your life really means trying to prove your own innocence and come to your own defense. That's what that means. That means that you are trying to stand on your own merits. And this is something that, that plagues humanity and it plagues Christians long after we're saved. We will try very hard to stand on our own merits even after we've been blood bought, even after God has helped us in so many different situations. Sometimes you pray and you don't understand how that prayer got answered. It all gets answered by the blood. You understand me? There is nothing that you receive that is not blood bought or blood washed. Amen? And so we we don't have any defense other than that, and we don't need any defense other than that. So you need to understand it's the same thing with healing. If you If you get sick in your body, you enter a plea of the blood. Where the enemy's trying to accuse you of, well, look at what you did when you say many times people come down with things like HIV 
or you might have lung disease or you might have any of those other diseases that come from bad living. Well, who hasn't lived bad in, in some way? You know, you either smoked something you shouldn't have smoked or slept with somebody you shouldn't have slept with or, or uh, snorted something you shouldn't have snorted or done something or lied a lot or stole something from somebody. And so we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care what it is that, that faces you and what it is that, that has come against you in your life. But if you enter the right plea, you will get the right mercy working in your life. Amen? You know, you're not, you're not blessed in your life because of doing everything right. You're blessed in your life by the grace of God that enables you. The, the Spirit of God prompts you what to do so that you can get the right result in your life. So you're not here on your own merits, not one little bit. Now, there are some things that we can practice on a continual basis. It's good to practice uh, obeying the word of God and, and understanding the, the results that that will bring. But when we get to the place where we think that we're obeying in our own strength, we've missed the whole point of the atonement of Christ. You got me? And it's so easy to start taking over. And start running your life or trying to run your life on your own. And then you'll run into some sickness. And, well, why did this happen to me? I'm doing what I, you know. Because we stepped out somehow of the grace and mercy of God. And we stepped over into works. And so when you understand that that's your error, then you go right back and repent. And you say, Father, you know what? I've stepped on this thing again. I've got over here again where I shouldn't be. Let me enter the right plea. I plead the blood. The blood of Jesus has paid for me to be here in your presence. It's paid for everything that I need. And so my plea is the blood. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood must be applied to every situation in our lives. And we must have full faith and confidence and stand on the blood alone, what that provides for us and what that purchased for us. When Jesus died, he ascended into heaven where he himself took his own blood and applied it to the mercy seat in the throne room of heaven. So that when Jesus and the Father sit on opposite sides of the mercy seat, the Father leans over to the right side where Jesus is. That's where his strength is. And he, Jesus, is not only the strength of the Father, but he is the advocate of the believer. Amen? He is the advocate of all who will put their trust in him. And so he enters the plea for you. Amen? You have an advocate in heaven who is skillful in the word of God. He is skillful in relationship with the Father. He is skillful in understanding what he's called your life into the earth to produce. And so he knows how to enter the right plea on your behalf based on what he has planned for you to do, what spiritual equipment you need, where you're going next, and and how far you're going to go in life. So he enters that plea, and once you 
rest in what your advocate is doing and you have no more to say on your own behalf, then God goes into operation for you. Amen? He goes in operation for you. And so we wait for instruction from the throne room of God of what to do when we get into these difficult situations. And that includes in our health as well. The Father, who is the judge of God, is seated on the throne of heaven. Jesus applies his own blood to the mercy seat in the altar, and that's where the heart of man is judged. Not always just actions, but the heart of man is judged. And this is a wonderful thing about God. You know, you can go to, to uh, a court and have, they have all kinds of evidence against you. And so they'll look and they'll say, well, is this first degree, second degree, third degree? They want to know the intent inside of you. But nobody can judge that at 100% but God. You'll have six people on the jury and said, oh, yeah, you know, this guy, he did that on purpose. Because, look, he did have this lined up and that lined up and that lined up and that. And he must have done it on purpose. And sometimes it can be a total accident. But you'll get sent to prison for 30 years to life. Because nobody could read the intent of your heart and what happened in this situation. But God. God knows the intents of our hearts. That's why there are people on death row who are innocent because they got judged wrong. And see, they're waiting for an advocate, somebody who can come and one day clear and acquit them. And that advocate is Jesus. That's why we have people that go into prisons now. They give their lives almost to minister to prisoners where they never hope for any offering, any penny of anything. Because God draws them to these people who wait in hopelessness so that somebody can know the intent of their heart was not evil. The intent of their heart was not premeditated. This was something that that happened and the enemy set them up for that. Amen. Just like he sets us up for sickness. He can get you to be so concerned about what you eat and, and is it healthy, is it uh, farm-raised, is it gluten-free, is it calorie-free, is it, uh, you know, on the, is it vegan, is it, you know, not vegan, you know, what is it, what, did they raise the cattle right, did they give it antibiotics and, you know. People put all these little nasty pictures of meat on the internet and tell you you ain't supposed to eat it. And I say, well, that ain't my dinner. So I, I got mine over here. I got mine over here in my freezer. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It's just, just anything to to advocate for the adversary. See what that does is that puts some kind of restriction on you that didn't come from God. And then when you violate that. You feel guilty. You feel like you need to be punished. You feel like you have to, I got to eat healthier. I got to eat better. I got to, why? Because some idiot on the internet told you you had to? You understand what I'm saying? We have to learn how to discern and measure up everything against the word of God. The Bible tells us that everything, nothing is to be refused if it's taken with thanksgiving and it's sanctified by the word of prayer. You're more concerned about is, is God's power on it and is his blessing on it more than where it came from, where it grew up, and whether it's a vegetable or an animal or anything like that. You have to be more concerned about that. Other than that, you're nullifying and negating the power of the word of God in your life. And then pretty soon we'll be like just like all the other 
poor soul sitting up there watching that television. Because I'm telling you, anybody with dollars to get on there can get on there and tell you something else is healthy for you. Anymore, they don't have to prove the value of what they say. Is is They don't have to prove anything anymore. Everybody's now a nutritional expert. And they have to tell you what to eat and how to eat it. You know, years ago, not too many years ago, people stopped trusting the water that came out of that faucet. Hmm? Now we got another problem. What are we going to do with all them plastic bottles? I'm talking about water, the same water that comes out of your faucet that you wash your dishes with, that you wash your food with, that you cook with. All of a sudden you can't trust it to drink it. you get it Tuesday. I'm just saying that it's a perfect example of the scam that we're all under and that you don't have to be under as a believer because the blood covers you in everything that you do. I drink water out of my tap. I don't, I'm too lazy to go and haul all them bottles. That water is heavy. You understand what I'm saying? I just, you know... And actually, Coco drinks more water, bottled water at our house than anybody. Everybody take one sip and put it down, and I'm constantly finding them, putting them in her bowl. Just saying. So much for the healthy water, right? You know, we need to start trusting the word more and, and pull ourselves out of the deception of the world and out of the world's power to deceive us into a different way of living other than the simplicity of what Jesus has provided for us. So the accuser of the brethren tells us eventually that we are responsible for our sins. That's the, I'm going to say it again. Eventually the accuser of the brethren will try to convince us that we are responsible for our sins. Responsible to atone for them, responsible to answer for them, responsible to receive the penalty of them. Because there are many times people will, will uh, go to the doctor with symptoms and, and the doctor will say, well, you have this and this and this. And the first thing, I don't care if you're a Christian, I don't care if you're not a Christian, the first thing coming, well, how did that happen? See, we're all looking for some guilt to put somewhere. We're looking for some false evidence. We're looking to go backward and undo what we have done. And that is typical of condemnation. See, you say, how did that happen? What did I do? How can I undo this? You're not to do that as a believer. You must enter the right plea when symptoms show up in your body, when you're accused of doing something wrong, when the devil tries to make you responsible for your condition that you're in now. You must enter the right plea because that's an accusation against you. You were made whole and you were forgiven when when the blood was applied to you. It's a one-time application to your life. You don't have to get saved over and over and over again. 
you must repent. The Bible says you, if, when you sin, you have an advocate. And if you confess your sin, you go to the confessor and tell him, I did wrong. You talk to him. You don't talk to the devil. He ain't your daddy. And he's a pitiful lawyer because he's jailed him up himself. He don't even have his own freedom. He can't bail you out, bond you out, or anything. And the more he talks, the more years get added to your sentence. You ever sit up and talk to the devil for real? And girl, guess what else? You, and girl, guess what else? And that ain't all you in trouble for. And girl, guess what else going to happen to you? you? If you don't straighten up that right there like that, you want to... Hmm? He's a pitiful lawyer. In fact, he needs one himself. Huh? So he continually accuses us. Sickness is merely an accusation. That's all it is. It's an accusation, another accusation of the devil. So the accuser of the brethren tells us we are yet responsible for our sins. And he confirms that accusation with a sign. You know what the sign is? It's symptoms of sickness. Your symptoms are a false witness of an accusation that has already had the proper plea entered for it when you got saved. You just let a little too much Oprah come on in in your mind and too much Dr. Oz and too much all those other things start influencing you. See, the world has to be responsible for their health because they don't have an advocate. They don't have the proper. They cannot plead the blood. You understand what I'm saying? They can put their faith in God. Sinners can put their faith in God and get a healing. But they, they, it's a one-time thing until they come into a full uh, covenant with God. Be better if they get, we get them saved once they get healed so that they can walk in divine health, which is their entitlement. But they can put their trust in God from time to time. We pray for people all the time. We don't know if they're saints or sinners, but God will heal them because they are seeking him and putting their trust in him uh, as the last resort. You know what I'm saying? But we can walk in a divine health because we've already received the atonement. All we have to do is get out of that mindset of being responsible for things and being guilty for things and allow God to come in and help us and, and free us up and put that power in us so we can withstand. The next time this accusation comes, you can withstand and you can withstand the false witness and prove him to be a liar. See, when symptoms come to you, that's a witness trying to testify. Hey, look what you done. You, you, you ate the wrong food or you, you lived a rough life and, and look at this and look what you get for that. Well, that's a false testimony. See, that's a false witness. Or, you know, you know, this runs in your family, you know. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that on, 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 Unc. Unc Punk down in Tennessee 15 years ago, he got that same thing on him. They never was able to get him, get that thing off of him like that. Uh Uh-huh. The old generational thing. You're a chosen generation. You know what a chosen generation is? You got picked out by God for the atonement. Amen. 
So you have to enter the proper plea when these things come across. So symptoms are merely false witnesses to the accusation of the devil that you deserve sickness, that you're responsible for your sins, that there's something you can do right in your flesh to help you present this situ- prevent this situation. When the Bible says that, that God makes an utter end, the blood made an utter end to all sickness, this, this affliction will not rise up a second time. Huh? But you don't understand. Why does mine keep rising up? You ain't entered the right plea yet. You haven't totally put your trust in the advocate. Huh? You can tell when you're really trusting God because you're, you will resist the temptation of going down memory lane to try to figure out what you did wrong and what you can, can, you can start doing right now to prevent this. There is no preventive medicine. Are you kidding me? Doctors have made a, 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 a career and a living off of telling people you can prevent preventative disease. What does that mean? They can't prevent anything. There's a whole new market of, of doctors and treatments uh, for prevention. You go to a job. They didn't got some of your tax money and funneled it over into some kind of grant, giving it to your people at your job. For you to go get an exercise machine or go, go, to, uh, go to the gym. They build gyms in companies now based taking government money that they take out of our taxes because some idiot tells them you can prevent something. Miss yeah. yeah. right. Nola, a friend of hers, called. She's very upset. Forty-year-old husband drops dead of a heart attack, been healthy all. How are you going to prevent that? I mean, what, what do you do? What do you do? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? This, this is nonsense, the way the world lives. Nonsense, especially when you know the word and you know you have an advocate. You can be at death's door and call on the name of Jesus and he'll come and pull you out of difficulty and trouble. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't prevent anything. The enemy always wants to accuse us. So you have to enter a plea to the accusation. You can't just say, well, you know, uh, uh, I know that ain't for me. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff we try to ignore. Don't be, ever be afraid to confront the accusation of the enemy. You know, you look at it and say, oh, my goodness. You know, I went through this thing with, with my blood pressure. I told you all about that. I got busted at the dentist. You know, they put that little thing on your arm, and it kept going up and up. And I said, oh, my goodness. OMG. Hmm? And I was in there to get get work done. It took me so long to get in there. And I made up my mind. I said, now, nah, I'm either busted and I'm going to have to go to this other route or I'm going to have to enter me a plea right here, right quick, right here on this table. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, do something. So I told the little dental guy, he said, he said, you don't look anxious. I said, I'm not. I'm very peaceful. He said, yeah, you look like the calmest person. He said, I don't believe that. He said, let's, let's see if we can find another thing to take it. Well, I said, yeah, go find another thing. <laughs> see, I'm not scared because I'm healed. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, God, you know, he ain't going to let you, 
Why let me die in the dentist's office? I could die in my bed 25 years from now or 30 years from now. My date is not, I don't have my date. (laughs) It ain't on my book. It ain't on my calendar. I don't see die nowhere on there. (laughs) So he said, said, well, he said, you know, we're not supposed to give you the number and all that stuff if your blood pressure is, you know, a certain level. I said, oh, yeah. I said, no. I said, I'll tell you what, though. I said, I promise you I won't die on you. He said, okay. (laughs) And I didn't. And I don't intend to. See, I know it's a false accusation. I know it's a false accusation and a false witness and I am healed. But I did tell God, I said, I know I've been slack on my word and slack on my, (laughs) let me get back under you know, you build your faith up. You start feeding yourself the word, and it heals you as you go. You understand me? You don't have to go and say, oh, well, doctor, you know, maybe uh, treatment. But I did hit Pastor Shirley up for a few, few water pills. To give, <laughs> give me a water pill here and there. You know, when you're in, in your, your 20s, you know, women, you know, you kind of swap might all. And, you know, can we talk? I can talk to everybody. Me and y'all just hang on for the ride, you know. You, Get used to it. You know, your 20s, you swap your might all, and, you know, 30s and stuff like that. And your 40s, you swap the hot flash. Well, see, when you get in your 50s and beyond, you you swap water pills. You know, <laughs> you can puddle here and puddle there. We Girls, we always swap and peel, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I take it seriously enough to enter my plea at the throne of God. I enter my plea, and the Lord reassured me. He said, yeah, he said, you got off your word. You better get back in your word so your blood pressure can go back to normal. And this lying witness will quit testifying against you that you're sick and you're not healed. He said, I paid for you to be healed. I paid for you to be well. I paid for you to walk in divine health. So keep your faith in that so that these symptoms don't pull you into believing the lie. You got me? Your faith has to be there and be strong and confident in God. Or the enemy will start to pull you into a place where you doubt that you walk in divine health. I was thinking the other day, I said, you know, I need to spend more time um, with healthy uh, uh, spiritually healthy activities uh, every day, so that I so I had to put myself on a different program. Now some people might, uh, you know, go and and get a uh, some kind of a diet that they can get and get on. And I really I need one. I know it. I keep working on it. It keeps working on me. We get there. We don't get there. But apart, but that's secondary to me, to feeding on the word. That always comes first. That word's got to come first. You can never put the physical ahead of the spiritual. See, if I stay enough in the word, it'll take care of the bad appetite. You understand? When to bring a discipline in you and all that kind of stuff, it will take care of everything. But I made up my mind. I, I needed to make a, a change in the way that I handled uh, feeding on the word and that kind of stuff. Get more uh, regimented. Get more consistent. And get the areas where I need it now in my life. See, before you hit 60, you don't need to talk about, uh, uh, you know, pains in the body and all. But then, you know, when you get beyond that, you get up and everything you do is painful. 
you blink your eyes three times and that could hurt you. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just, yeah. <laughs> like God told Moses, he said, you old. When God tells you old, you old. You understand what I'm saying? We all will get there. And so I have to make that adjustment to make sure that when these these thoughts hit me about something else being wrong, I have something stored up on the inside of me to hit that. Huh? See, when you're young and single as a believer, you hit them scriptures that tell you not to sleep around. You understand? Yeah. Well, that went over real big, didn't it? That was free, though. For whoever needs it, that was free. Huh? Uh, you know, we, uh, me and Pastor Shirley used to look at the Duggars and look. We thought Michelle said, "What's this lady doing? All these kids, just stop it, stop!" <laughs> but them her kids, that's her life. But I like the way she raises them. See, if she weren't a responsible Christian woman raising her children right, huh? And they have an excellent plan for the exit plan for them kids out that house. You understand what I'm saying? They had a little groups of people they hang around and they. Size each other's kids up, and mm, that one might not be. They pray about it all. And see, they don't let them spend time alone together. You got me? And when they hug, they hug from the side. You know, I said, gee, I wish I'd known about that when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? These are safeguards to your purity. As believers, God dwells in you. You don't mistreat the house of God. You know what I'm saying? And and it's something that works for them. You know, some we all need to be bold enough to train our children that way, you know? Don't be afraid to get laughed at. You tell your kid, you know, you you don't go just date somebody and hang around them the whole time, you know? Some things happen out of boredom. Now give me two bottles of water. Hmm? It is the truth. They have planned dates and planned everything, and they always are chaperoned. I wish I could have had a chaperone. Went out, dated that man. Oopsie. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that lets you feel valuable. That somebody's watching over you to guard you against yourself. Huh? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Nothing comes out of that but bad stuff, you know. A lot of people you see them, you know, Christians, they they start messing around, fooling around, they get married. You don't you don't put a uh, uh, holy holy matrimony over fornication. It's not gonna work. You don't put something you don't put something holy over something profane. You need to go to your pastor and confess and say, you know, pray for us and so we can get healed. We need to be get this spirit out of our lives so it doesn't continue to yank on us the whole you know, causes distrust. You devalue each other, you know, you manipulate each other. It's just wrong stuff. You, you don't get involved in that. You're much more precious than that than God. Much more precious. Amen. Amen. That keep you healed. <laughs> Amen. So, in entering our plea to the accusation of sickness, 
Sickness is an accusation. It doesn't belong to you. Understand me? You fight it just like you fight every other accusation of the devil. You know, if you make a mistake, he'll call your name, you know, and put a handle on you, all that kind of stuff. If your symptoms persist, they give you what they call a diagnosis. When you get a diagnosis, that means they're lining you up for some treatment. Huh? Well, what do you want? You want treatment or you want to be healed? You want to stand on the word of God for your healing. Amen? The minute you start to believe God's word, sickness begins to reverse in your body. It doesn't advance on his word. I'm going to say that again. Because see, what, now see the, what the doctor will do, he'll put you under the time pressure. Oh, if we don't take care of this this afternoon, you know, if we don't take care of this right away, that's a sales pitch. Listen, I heard that same thing. You ever get these notices for go come down here for a three-day vacation, but we want you to listen to a presentation for a timeshare? That's the same devil. The same devil you see in the doctor's office telling you, oh, we got to take care of this. My father was in his 80s, and they wanted to give him a pacemaker. And so uh, somebody must have told him he had two daughters that were preachers because they was already on the ready. You know, oh, yeah, we got to know about this right Well, your dad, and daddy ain't thinking about it. You understand what I'm saying? He go, whatever y'all deciding, could care less. You know, daddy kind of knows he's going to be around for a much longer time. You understand that? But this is our problem. So they try to bum rush us, and I said, well, let us, I, I didn't say press, so let us think about it for a little bit. We'll get, to, oh, no, you, we don't have that kind of time. I said, are you kidding me? I said, that man raised four girls and had a wife. I said, he survived five women in a house for years. Now, you mean to tell me the devil going to take him out like this? I don't think so. No, second thought, we'll call you next week. I'm thinking about you. Huh? But because it was my, if it was me out of, it was my daddy, we just all got to, okay, let's go ahead and get the ticker put in there. You know, half the time they, you know, they tell you, you got to call in and what they do, program them or charge them or, yeah, all that kind of crazy stuff. And we'd be sitting up there looking to notice, been there about three months and daddy ain't recharged. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it really, if you didn't trust God, I'm sorry, y'all. But you know what, daddy lived to be 96 years old? Long life, good health. Listen, your days are numbered by God. These people don't have you. <laughs> We're on such a different time schedule. I'm telling you, it's just amazing. You know, if that was all we had, it'd be something different. But thank God for the blood. You enter the right plea. Amen. When we seek God's remedy, we go by way of the blood. You will not win by arguing with, with a liar. Amen. See, the devil is such a, you'll, you'll get convinced of more lies. Amen. Huh? You don't argue with liars because you'd never get anywhere that way. So all you can do with the devil is rebuke him, make him shut up. And the way he shuts up is you quit answering him back. Because he's got a zillion of them to tell you over and over and over again. Mo lies, mo lies, mo lies, and mo lies. 
you know, they link everything. Oh, this condition has been linked to this condition. It's been linked to this condition. And none of them have anything to do with one another. But they can make us believe that they're, you know, you get to, oh, yeah, you got that too. You know, you, oh, no, you get across this line, you got all that stuff. See, the devil wants to throw the book at us anytime he can. And see, we let him do it because we entertain the false witness and the false accuser. They're all false. They have no truth in them. You go to God, you enter a plea of the blood, and you go to God and you get truth. And you get a remedy and you get a cure. You got me? So we... Um, We must release our judgment, defenses, and plans and rest solely on your advocate and your counselor. Jesus gives us counselor, counsel. He tells us what to do in certain situations. I was reading a, a Lillian Yeoman's book, and you all know we, we like her stuff because she was a lady that was healed. She was a doctor, but she was a drug addict at the turn of the century. And she lost her practice. She almost lost her life, but she went to a healing meeting, was saved and healed. And after that, she began healing schools. She taught at uh, Amy Semple McPherson's church. Uh, She did a lot of work, but she and her sister would open their home up to people who were given no hope. And in three days, everybody left totally healed that would obey them. Why? Because they fed them the word. They gave a woman a scripture when she, this woman was dying of tuberculosis, and, and you all know when you have TB, or you don't know, because in this day and age it's been done away with. But in those days, you would cough up blood all the time, and it would start to foam in your lungs, and you would actually drown in your own uh, fluid from your lungs and blood from your lungs because it was called consumption. It would just actually just destroy your, your total body. This woman came in like that. And Miss Yeomans told her that uh, she was redeemed from the curse of sickness. And she asked the lady, she said, do you believe that? And this is what they did. They asked people if they believed. If they got a no answer, they would school them in the word until they did believe. Do you want to believe? Well, we'll help you with that. So they brought their faith up to her. She said, well, if you believe this, then go in and continue to speak it over and over and over again until you're healed. Well, they checked on her the next day, and she still had symptoms. On the third day, she came down herself, totally symptom-free. She said, you know what? I'm healed. She said, you know why? I'm redeemed from the curse of poverty. I mean, the curse of sickness. And Miss Yeoman said, you know what? I told you that when you came in. But the lady said, yeah, but I know it now. You understand? I know it now. You told me and I believed it, but now I know it. And that's where we have to get to as believers. We need to quit taking the word on such a superficial level. Just listen to it for a little bit and run off with it. And then it doesn't take us any farther than that back door back there. But we need to take that word with us, meditate on it, so that we are converted and we know that we are healed. And so the, 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 the uh, plea that you enter, when you enter a plea of the blood of Jesus, then the blood comes and testifies on your behalf. The Bible says that the blood is a witness. In 1 John 5, 8, it says there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. The blood is your witness on earth of what was paid for and what was atoned for of the sins that are committed on earth. 
As long as you are in the earth, everything that the earth produces must be accounted for. You got me? Sins committed on the earth have to be paid for on the earth. So when Jesus came here, he came as a man, he died as a man, and he left witnesses of what he did in his life. The disciples are certain there are those are the living witnesses of his life and ministry. But then there are other spiritual witnesses that he left down here. The Holy Spirit being one, the water being another witness where water was the cleansing for the natural baptism. The water was also the birth process for the church when he when they pierced his side and water and blood poured out. That blood uh, uh, signified new life coming out. The water signifying the birth of his bride, the church, coming out from, for, from him. And also the blood signifies atoning work that was done in different places. Everything they did to Jesus was already prescribed by the Father as necessary for our atonement. When they beat him. With the cat of nine tails and drew blood on his back. That blood was shed for the remission of our sins. Amen. For bodily healing. He was wounded for our tra- and bruised for our iniquity. The punishment. And he brought peace with God. So your salvation. Everything that comes as a result of sin was paid for. All of that was paid for. When they put the crown of thorns. On his head, his skull was pierced to pay for your sin-sick soul. So that you don't have to carry the weight and burden of your sin anymore. If you're healed in your body, but your soul is still sick from the way you're guilty and I could do this. He took that thorn, was put on his head. He bore those Marks on his on his forehead to signify the cleansing of your soul, the cleansing the the and it put new hope on the inside of you. You ever notice when when prophets pray for people, they'll usually touch the part on their forehead. That's just natural for us. You know, we get more skills. We touch other stuff like you know, the healing you need in your body. But that is so typical of the prophet's touch. To touch this. Well, the prophet comes, the word of prophecy comes to give you one thing, and that's hope. And this part of your forehead is a seed of hope in every human being. So what we do is why I prophesy to you and I give you hope in the name of Jesus. So Jesus, that crown of thorns paid for us to have hope. Anybody ever been depressed and hopeless in here? Listen. That's a misery. You can't get out of that. You can't get a happy, 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 happy. That ain't going to work for that, all right? That, that, that don't work there. It don't work there. You need somebody that's paid the price to get that out of there and replace it with something that has life in it. And that's what he did when they put that on his head. They weren't just doing that to be mean. The Father, it pleased the Father to see that happen so that we can get free. From what ails us and what pulls us down. That's the atonement of Christ. Your mind can be renewed now and you can be a new creature. You don't just have to, you know, as Oprah's life class. Did you see Oprah's? You, honey, that ain't life. Them people dying and many of them going to hell. You don't need to be sitting up watching that nonsense. 
I mean, to know some of those people are accomplished people, they're wonderful people, but don't get it twisted, okay? We have divine life. We have the promise of eternal life, and we live in that right now. So every sin that man committed on earth was paid. There is a witness in the blood of Jesus that says, I paid for that. And that's what you do when you enter your plea of the blood. Then the blood speaks up and begins to testify on your behalf. That's how you can meditate on the word and get your healing out of the word. The blood is already testified. Listen, the blood says this, that sickness, you stop in her. and You know better because I paid for her. And now health, you begin to arise in her. And it stops the sick process and brings health and healing forward now. And you can hold on to it because your mind can be renewed to the things of God. See, there begins to be a divine energy in your thinking. There begins to be a divine, there's a push in there and a strength in there that makes that word, makes you go toward that word, makes you really believe that word. And it's not a hollow confession anymore. It's living life. It's something that rises up out of you and begins to take over in your life because of what he did. See, it stops the devil in his tracks. The blood stops him right in his tracks. It can't move any further. You know, people seem to think, well, you know, I'm putting the word in. Man, you ought to be rejoicing. That's the greatest thing you could do. Like you got to, you got to, like no, no. See, the devil make you think this. Oh yeah, the word. Well, you know, it's gonna take. How long does it take? As long as you allow God to work with you is how long it's gonna take. Huh? Let me tell you something. Fred Price, many many years ago, people didn't like him. They thought he was too. Arrogant, aggressive, brash. Y'all been listening to Fred Price. Because that man has been supernaturally healed. His wife supernaturally healed. And this is one thing. See, you can glean from everybody. There's some things, nuggets you can pick up here, there, and everywhere that will serve you. And the one thing I remember him saying is that he says, Now, if you're expecting God to heal you, you get your healing through the word. He said, the amount of time it takes cannot make any difference to you. He said you have to settle in your, that you are not going to let time be an issue between you and God and getting your healing. He said once it's given over into Jesus' hands, time is not a factor anymore. And isn't that the one thing that the doctors push with us? Is we got to get this right away. See, we've been trained to think that our days are numbered. We don't have time to wait for the word to work. That's just going to take forever. I mean, you know, I remember somebody, they got in. Yeah, but I know a lot of people got healed in three days. Lillian Yomas got healed. And some people get healed instantly. If they let their faith rise up and they go to the altar, or there's a release of the anointing. Sometimes you can be healed in your own kitchen, your own room. If you just put, the, put it out there and say, say, devil, nope, I'm not receiving this. Father, I plead the blood. I'm de- depending on what the atonement has done for me to take care of every single need that I have. And that need right now is healing. I've had pains in my body that I thought would not go away and they linger and I think to myself you know what I never did talk to this stupid thing you understand what I'm saying and then you talk to it and you realize that in a few minutes or a half hour or an hour 
that thing is totally gone. And you think, you know what, I sat here and let this thing sit on me for all. And see, sometimes that's the way we are with our physical man. We don't attack the devil quickly. And then we let it wear on us and let us wear us down. So then we can't really rise up. We think, oh man, I didn't had this a long time. It's going to take a long time for that word to get rid of the uh-uh. Jesus said immediately, and if they didn't get immediately, it was an hour. He didn't let the devil say, it's just going to take an hour for his word to really get in there and you understand what I've done for you right now. You understand me? But everything is paid for. That blood testifies. Blood speaks. Isn't that what God told uh, Cain about his brother? He said, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the grave. Blood is lived. The life of any uh, creature is in the blood. And that life has power in the realm of the spirit. Blood talks even now. Blood tells you, number one, it gives a testimony. Blood will tell you where it came from. I'm talking about normal blood, this blood in any animal or human on the earth. Blood has an identity. It will tell you who it, where it came from, whose it is. Whose blood is this? Why? It has a type, you know, the old blood types, ABO. And it also has DNA that identifies it down to the person. Blood tells you what race a person came from. Blood tells you the age of a person that it came from. Blood tells you when it was shed and how much was shed. Police can go into a crime scene and then they'll look and they'll say, well, from the amount of blood that's here, we know that person is no longer alive. You know, the body can be gone, but the blood that's left there speaks. It tells you and it'll tell you who that person is. They get a list of missing persons and they, uh, you know, get some some hair samples from a close relative. And they can tell you whether that that body that's left there with the bone marrow that is blood Huh? Belongs to your le- your missing relative. So blood can tell you it has a witness, even natural blood. How much more than the blood of Jesus be a witness for us? No, you don't have that sickness. I saw him. I saw him shed his this blood for you. I saw him give that for you. I saw him at the cross. I saw what he did. He did that for you. And the blood is a true witness and a convincing witness. That blood will talk to you and convince you you ain't sick even with symptoms in your body. I'm going to say it again. That blood will talk to you and convince you you're not sick even with symptoms in your body. Convince you that the liar is a liar. That blood speaks better things. It speaks that you're healed. It speaks you're free. It speaks that you're wealthy. It speaks that your mind is capable, that you're strong. It speaks you're released from the devil's curse. You're not ADD. Your kids ain't ADD. Don't you let them put it. Your, your kid is who you, it is John. My, no, my kid ain't, ain't, my baby is John. He ain't ADD. He ain't AHD and F, JKXYZ either. His, that's Mary. That ain't her name. You keep calling them Mary and John and see if they won't be Mary and John. Let the devil do that to your, to your offspring. That's a seed of the righteous. 
They're delivered from everything. Blood talks, folks. Talks even now. It speaks of our atonement. It speaks of our wholeness. It speaks of our health and our healing. That blood is speaking right now from the throne of God, telling you that if you have symptoms in your body, you can come forward and receive your healing. Amen? He's speaking to us right now. He says, I paid for all of these. I paid for everything that, that they would ever go through. I paid full price. You know, people get stuck in these little religious, well, you know, I know the price would be paid, but I know if, I don't know if my faith is strong enough. Where do you get terms like that from? Hmm? We get them from the Bible, but we misinterpret them. Anybody that ever came to Jesus with weak faith, by the time they left, that faith was there, baby. That faith was there. And how long did it take him? Like maybe two sentences. That's how long it takes you to build your faith from little faith, weak faith, to great faith. The woman, the Syrophoenician woman. Remember her? She came up to Jesus. Help me. What she really said, my daughter's an embarrassment. You know, you can't have a divided heart and please God. Now, you're either helping the daughter, because as a mother you have compassion on your sick child, or you're helping you, because she's slobbering and falling out everywhere and you can't take her. See, this is, this is what it is, folks, when we're interceding for other people. Remember the man that had the four friends that came in? See, they were true intercessors. When they couldn't get him in the door, they just tore the roof off the house. and put. But their friends was going to get that brother healed. See, that's a true intercessor. There were many that came to Jesus that had somebody that was sick around them, but they were sick of them. Hmm? I'm sick of this sick person. Jesus, heal them. Now, see, that sounds rough and raw to us, but that's the way people are. You understand what I'm saying? They're not moved to get you better until you get to be a burden on them. And that's, the way, that's why he told her, he ignored her. Because her faith was not moving him. Because he's moved by people who have a pure heart. Faith works by love. And see, if you're not really asking in faith to help that person, you won't get heard. So that's why Jesus kept doing what he was doing. The disciples tried to push her away. And so he finally looked at her and he says, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. One of the reasons she, there was this distance, this coldness in her, is because her being a Greek, the Jews looked down on those people and they considered them to be inferior if you come to him with any kind of inferiority, if you can't come to him with a pure heart and some level of boldness and confidence that he's going to hear you, you're not going to get nothing anyway. And so he provokes her to come out of her uh, lack and in her insecurity and to get more confident and let her faith rise up. And he said, 
she said this. She said, uh, I know I'm a dog, but even dogs can get crumbs from the master's table. She finally released what faith she had toward him, but it had to be provoked out of her. I'm telling you, folks, when Jesus gets to working on you, he'll get to the root of your thing and get your faith out there where he can see it. You understand what I'm saying? He won't leave you faithless. He is a counselor and an advocate. So he counsels you into believing. He goes down and finds, well, what do you really believe? Well, I believe I'm saved. Well, if you're saved, you're healed, and that's the atonement. You understand what I'm saying? But he'll pull that faith out of you. That's why we have healing school. It's to pull that faith out of you. From all the dumb stuff we listen to and all the pamphlets we read and all the warning signs we observe about this, that, and the other going on in your body. There's nothing going on in your body but divine health and healing. That's all that's going on in your body. 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 It's divine health and healing. So can you put some music on while we pray for some people? Me and Pastor Shirley are going to pray for you, whatever you have need of. Amen? And we're going to enter the right plea today, folks. You're not going to anymore trying to figure out if you what you did wrong to get where you were. are. There's nothing wrong with you. You've got to get back under the blood again. You've got to get back under the atoning power of God. Meditate. Get yourself straightened out. Get yourself in a place where you believe God and that's all you believe. It works so wonderfully that way. Jesus is the only healer. He's not a healer. He is the healer. He's the only one who paid for this, for you to have this. He himself took our infirmities. He himself bore our sicknesses. He carried them away. Anything that comes to you is false. It's a lie. And it will be removed because the blood will bear witness to what Jesus did for you. So why don't you all come on up. Start Miss Nola line you up and we'll pray for you. And allow this anointing to minister to you and set you free. Praise God.